0: o'clock. Love, talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by www.livinglives.wordpress.com, GTC Honored, and The Garfield Firm, serving all 50 states with news and analysis,
1: Hello, this is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, February 11th, 2016. In nine days, I'll be 69. Who knew I'd still be doing this? This show is mostly directed at lawyers. My phone and email are continuing to vibrate as lawyers keep calling for some guidance on the procedural steps of rescission. So this time... I am sharing what I use as a personal checklist. The menu of items, action items in relation to TILA rescission. This way when lawyers call up for guidance, we can first give them the link for this show and they can listen whenever they want. We'll cover as much as we can tonight and then finish up next week. A little correction for the blog. Uh, and a hearty congratulations to Patrick Junta when I first published the uh, HSBC case and uh, my comments on it. I thought he had merely sent me the decision. I didn't realize that it was his case and that he had, in fact, won it. Very important case in defining ownership uh, uh, versus holder and all the UCC questions it will be uh, uh widely cited by many lawyers not only in in this state but in other states. Patrick Jenta did a terrific job in that case. I'm broadcasting live from Broward County, Florida brought to you by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, Lending Lies, Amgar and the Garfield firm with offices in South Florida. And this show is specially brought to you because of donations to the Living Lies blog from listeners like you. Thank you. And for those of you who are not yet contributors, we ask that you hit the Donate button on the blog or call 954-495-9867 and pledge whatever you think you can afford. On the West Coast, you can dial 520-405-1688. If this show has value for you, then please make a contribution to help us continue helping you and all consumers and actually lawyers who represent the consumers. And if you're looking for active assistance, you can call those numbers and schedule a consult, a review, or uh, order a book or whatever. Uh, You can get a full report on title and securitization through us along with a commentary on how it might apply to your case subject to review of your attorney. Living Lies with 11 Million Visits is the number one place on the Internet to get information, forms, facts, and opinions from a variety of sources on foreclosure defense, consumer loans, and student loans. Our mission is to share as much free information as we can to help lawyers, homeowners, and consumers who find that in addition to the house, car or TV that was purchased. They bought a very complicated financial product. Think about it. When Rooms to Go says no finance charge for five years, something's going on. And my blog and this show and my other work have been devoted to revealing what has been going on and how it has been misused. Nothing against rooms to go. I think they uh, have a good business going there. And we are succeeding in our mission as more and more lawyers across the country smell blood in the water. They realize that there is a winning strategy and a payday in both foreclosure defense and rescission. I've spoken to some lawyers who are narrowing their entire practice down to only rescission. There is gold in all of those so-called bank errors and omissions that I have said from the beginning in 2007 were intentional. I know how they work. I know why they work. Long ago, I was on Wall Street where the seeds of this mess were planted, Let me remind my listeners here that nothing stops a foreclosure except a court order. No letter, no pleading, or anything else will stop a foreclosure from proceeding or stop the forced sale of the property or stop the eviction without a court order saying they must stop. In bankruptcy, that kind of order is automatically issued as soon as the bankruptcy is filed But that doesn't mean you should file bankruptcy. You need to consult with a bankruptcy attorney. And the same thing applies to rescissions, except that it is reversed. The court is not allowed, which means it's violating the law, to ignore a rescission. So just like once the court orders foreclosure, nothing can stop it, when you send the rescission, nothing can stop it, except a court order that vacates the rescission. The rescission is law. It is effective by operation of law. It is a fact as a matter of law, same as a court order. No court may rule on foreclosures without going step-by-step through the Teal rescission statute. And I know, I've heard from enough lawyers, that there's many judges who are not bothering to go step-by-step. But that's not the purpose of this show. Rescission is a specific non-judicial statutory procedure established established by federal law to cancel the loan contract, void the note, and void the mortgage with the simple mailing of a letter. In most states, foreclosures can be done without a lawsuit. They are called non-judicial foreclosures. In rescission, canceling the loan contract, the note and mortgage, can be done the same way, non-judicially. They're both done with a letter, a notice. What is good for the goose is good for the gander. I'll be discussing the rules of the road for TILA rescission and what happens after a notice of rescission is mailed. So let's first go through the basics you send a rescission notice to all parties known, in my, in my opinion, all parties known to have ever expressed an interest in the loan as original payee on the note, as originator, service or trustee, trust, etc. Certified mail, U, U.S. Postal Service return receipt requested. Remember that rescission is effective when it is mailed as a matter of law. That means there can be no dispute about it. The highest court in the land has already told us there is no room for interpretation of TILA rescission. Truth in Lending Act is what I refer to as TILA, 15 U.S.C. 1635. And that even disputed rescissions are effective as a matter of law when mailed. Almost all your questions, can be answered if you return to that simple fact that it is effective as a matter of law when mailed and it cannot be undone without another action at law in which a court order is entered that vacates the rescission and no such relief can be granted unless somebody asks for it and in order to ask for it, you have to establish standing without the void note and the void mortgage, and you have to establish consummation, when that happened, who paid for it, all that stuff. You have to have a real creditor there, not just somebody holding paper. Record the rescission. The next step uh, that I recommend is record the rescission to give notice to the world that the mortgage is void. I like to say that the rescission is effective when mailed and perfected when recorded. It's the recording that gives notice to the world that the mortgage is void. Third, make a decision on whether you want or need to be proactive or reactive. That could be a temporary decision, by the way. Reactive is to do nothing, at least for a while. Proactive brings you back into some form of litigation. In the reactive stance, assuming you've recorded the rescission, theoretically you can sit back and wait for them to try to remove your notice of rescission from the place where deeds and mortgages are recorded in your county. there are some who believe that the reactive position is better. It certainly costs virtually nothing. Um, but there are other things happening, unfortunately, where that I mentioned before, where judges are ignoring the rescission. So for the most part, I find that it is advisable to be proactive, which which brings you back into some form of litigation. Mind you, this litigation should not be a lawsuit that asks the court to declare that the rescission was effective. By doing that, you're asking for something you already have because the statute says that it's effective when it was mailed. That's it. So the lawsuit that you would bring, I'll get into in a few minutes. The proactive steps these overlap and there are uh, possible choices depending upon the status of the case, status of the litigation, etc. cetera, procedurally. One is in the state court action where there's litigation pending, you file a, uh, a notice of filing rescission notice along with a statement that the loan contract is canceled, the note is void, and the mortgage is void. Usually, state court uh, uh, that happens in state court because uh, that's where the litigation is generally pending. Otherwise, you'll uh, you'll hear. If a response letter is received rejecting the rescission that was sent, then realize what I said before that only a court order can change it. So what does the letter do? Well, it gives you evidence of when they definitely had it. You probably already have a return receipt that was signed, but if there's any issue as to when they had it and you get a response from them, the 20 days in which they can comply with the statute or file a lawsuit seeking to vacate the rescission starts to tick. So next is a possible motion to, once you've filed the notice of rescission in the court file, then you have an opportunity and a basis to file a motion to dismiss for lack of jurisdiction. The lack of jurisdiction is subject matter jurisdiction. If there's no more note and no more mortgage, and that's all the complaint or the uh, claims uh, from the uh, uh, beneficiary under a deed of trust, if that's all the, that they're complaining about is based on the note and mortgage, then there is no longer subject matter jurisdiction. I think that's a relatively easy one when you uh, look at it from an academic point of view legally. Obviously, there is heavy ground action on exactly that issue and you can bet that you're going to be met with all kinds of cannon fire as they try to avoid what uh what you're asking for which is to dismiss and uh prevent them from ever filing a foreclosure or ever using um uh, uh, well, in that action, ever using the note and mortgage to gain an advantage over a homeowner. A motion for involuntary dismissal can be made at the conclusion of their evidence, uh, or um, as part of the motion to dismiss for lack of pro- uh, for lack of jurisdiction based on the fact that there's no more loan contract because it's canceled, there's no note, there's no mortgage, and there's no jurisdiction. The bank, as we've seen so far, will likely file a memo or motion or both rejecting the rescission. This is an important procedural challenge that is not allowed by the TILA rescission uh, statute which says that the rescission, whether disputed or not, is effective by operation of law on the day it was mailed. In no case that I've seen has a bank ever conceded the fact that the mailing of the rescission did, in fact, cancel the loan contract and did uh, void the note and void the mortgage. And that's the point that you need to center in on and keep your message simple and direct and, and clear and logical. Uh, note that uh, the parties that have been ruled to have standing to foreclose do not have standing to challenge the rescission unless they've alleged that they are, in fact, the owner of the debt. They're the creditor. Only the actual creditor can attack the rescission because that's the only party that actually has standing because all the other documents don't count anymore. And all they have to do is show that, or say that we paid for this, either the acquisition of it or the origination of it, and then they're the actual creditor. To my knowledge, in the last eight years, not one lawsuit has ever been filed under Teela rescission statutes, uh, undoubtedly because they have nobody that answers to the definition or identity of An actual creditor there's a lot of reasons for that and that's outside the scope of what I want to talk about tonight also so uh, absent from the, the memo or pleading and foreclosure proceedings from the bank will be any request that the court vacate the rescission and in fact even if the judge rules against the homeowner it is committing reversible error as mandated by the Supreme Court of the United States, the final resting place of all legal decisions. If the rescission is effective and not vacated, then any other ruling except one dismissing the case is void. Now, some judges want to interpret the statute so that if they don't specifically rule that the rescission is vacated, that they could still ignore it and grant relief to the banks. That's not what the Supreme Court said, and it's not what the law is. And neither the Supreme Court, the decision, nor the statute itself is open to any interpretation at all. The Supreme Court has already ruled that it is not open to any interpretation because it is clear as a matter of law. The the TILA rescission statute is, as a matter of law, clear and not subject to interpretation. That's the second point you can always return to that will answer most of your questions. The fact that the banks are ignoring that is really a lure to try to get you to argue about points that will lead you into a discussion about whether or not the rescission is vacated. Now note that in those cases where Um, uh, Well, in all cases, I I recommend that you do not mention a date of consummation of the loan because you really don't know if there ever was consummation with any of these parties. You don't know where the money came from. And if you do say that consummation occurred on a certain day, then the court is going to tick off the three years uh, for the statute of limitations which we'll get into also later so in the absence of requesting the court to vacate the rescission which would mean that the bank would be admitting that the rescission is effective which is what they don't want to plead the court cannot give any relief to the banks the rescission stands the notes void the mortgage is void foreclosure has to be uh, uh, dismissed or even vacated if the rescission occurred before the sale, especially in nonjudicial states, in my opinion. Courts cannot issue orders granting relief that was not requested, except in some rare instances that don't apply here. An order ignoring the rescission without vacating the rescission should be immediately attacked perhaps with an interlocutory appeal. It is hard to imagine that the judge's ruling won't be reversed on appeal unless there is an admission on record that consummation actually occurred and the date of consummation and the times had run and all that all on the face of the rescission. Next is a federal lawsuit to enforce the rescission. You've got a year to do that from the date that the rescission was sent. Uh, There are some other potential statute of limitations that might apply, but I'm pretty sure that the one-year limitation is going to apply to this. So if you don't or you didn't file the federal lawsuit to enforce the rescission within the one year, So it's been more than a year already. Then realize that you can't file a lawsuit to enforce the statutory duties under the Teeler rescission statute, which means you can't force them to return the canceled note, you can't force them to file a release of the encumbrance, and you can't force them to pay you the money. But going back to point one... The, if the rescission was effective on the day of mailing as a matter of law, which means that you can still quiet title. And by the way, the one-year limit is also on the ability of the banks to cure the uh, violation of the TILA rescission duties and prevents the banks from ever asking for even the principal again. If they were to have filed the lawsuit properly within the time limits and established uh, creditor status and all that, then they probably uh, would be able to get, uh, uh, and they prevailed, uh, then they would be able to continue with the foreclosure and even if they didn't prevail, they could make a claim after they did comply with the teal of rescission duties, but they could they can only collect the principal they can't collect any of the finance charges so at the end of one year there's there's uh split opinions by many lawyers on whether you just wait out the year and avoid the litigation at this point. I'm still more in favor of proactive uh, strategies than reactive uh, and sitting on your rights. Um, At the moment, we're recommending federal actions, since it was the Supreme Court, highest court in the land, federal, that issued the Jesinoski ruling. The lawsuit does not request that the court declare the rescission effective. I'm repeating that because so many people have added into their actions a demand that the court declare that the rescission was effective. That introduces an issue that now you have to prove, which is already done because the statute says it's already effective as a matter of law. The lawsuits seek only enforcement of three statutory duties – under the Teeler rescission statute, 15 U.S.C. 1635. So the pleading is that the rescission was mailed, more than 20 days have expired, they've done nothing, and they're in violation of 15 U.S.C. 1635. Wherefore, please enter an order that commands them to return the canceled note, file the release of the void encumbrance, and pay... A, all the money that borrower ever paid, and B, all the money paid to third parties is compensation arising out of the origination of the loan. That in itself, if if it ever came to that, which I doubt you'll ever get to, but if you did, there's a lot of compensation that arose out of the origination of the loan that is far off the beaten track and which amounts to, on, met, on most loans... A multiple of the original loan principle then there's a possibility of filing a state court lawsuit to enforce rescission and I include that here because even though I favor federal actions this is a perfect example of why you need to talk to a local lawyer who knows the courts and who knows the judges and can make a reasonable decision as to whether or not the best strategy is to go in state court or to go in federal court. Both state and federal courts have concurrent jurisdiction over Truth and Lending Act claims. Then, there is a federal lawsuit to enjoin parties from attempting to use the note or mortgage for collection or foreclosure, or for any enforcement action. Your position is simply that the note and mortgage are void. The loan contract has been canceled. And the resi- because the rescission was mailed, the rescission was received. More than 20 days have elapsed. The loan contract is therefore gone. The note and mortgage are gone. Wherefore, please enter an order telling these defendants that we've sued to stop using void instruments, further ruining the credit and uh, life of the plaintiff who is filing that action. Now, with this, you've got to realize that um, you are not asking a federal judge to issue an order requiring a state court to stop proceeding in a foreclosure. You're asking the federal judge to stop the parties who are behind this and who might be named in that that other foreclosure from using the note or mortgage. The difference is huge. You could ask for a stay, but federal judges are very, very reluctant to issue a stay against a state court proceeding unless the situation is virtually overwhelming so you want to direct the action to enforce the rescission and you want to direct the action to enjoin parties from using the note or mortgage for collection, enforcement foreclosure, whatever against specific defendants that are Uh, not public entities like the court. The the federal lawsuit to enjoin parties from attempting to use the note or mortgage could be filed also in either the federal court or the state court. And there is also a potential motion in the state court action to vacate the judgment or an order permitting sale assuming that the notice of rescission was sent before the uh, uh, the judgment or order was was entered I, d- I do believe well, I think we just ran out of time we will finish up next week and thank you for joining me